in the scriptures, there is a path or a way um, that's revealed to us that we can understand, that we can see, uh, that we can come to know if we will pay attention and if we, if we, if we recognize it. Um, and it is, a, it is an ancient path. It is something that's been revealed by God for, for uh, a couple of millennia now. But um, there is a path, there is a sacred way for us to know that connects us with God. It shows us the way that we may be connected with God. It shows us the way that we can, uh, our relationship with him can be restored even though it was broken by sin. There is a way, there is a path that that relationship can be restored. And there is a way that we can have unconquerable joy in our lives. There is a way that we can have direction in our lives. There is a way, there is a path uh, for us all that we can find, and it is revealed to us in the Scriptures, it is revealed to us by God, and if we'll follow this way, we can have, really have joy, we can have restoration with our Creator, with our Father, uh, and we can have a direction for our lives, and uh, that's really what I want to focus on this morning, and uh, boy, God help us. But anyway, um, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just what's at the top of your of your sheet there this morning. It says, this is what the Lord says. This is, this is God speaking through Jeremiah. And you'll notice that uh, in some places, the actual words of God are quoted, right? This is one of the things that are very unique about the Bible is we believe we actually have some of the Bible is the actual words uh, uh, quoted by God. In other places, there are people writing and they were born along by the Spirit. But in this, some places like this one, it says, the Lord says this, quote, and here we have the actual words of God. This is what the Lord says on the top of your sheet there. Stand at the crossroads and look. Crossroads, crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a beautiful picture about God saying this? He says, I have laid out for you. I've put you in a place where you can see a crossroads. There's a way going one way and there's a way going the other way. And he says, look for the ancient path. Look for the good way. Look for that way. And then when you find it, what's he say to do? Walk in that way. Walk in that way. We read Proverbs together here at the beginning of the year, and it was very clear to us about whenever you read the book of Proverbs, it's very clear in that book also. There is a way that is revealed that is goodness and righteousness and blessing. And there's another way that seems right to a man, but that same way leads to what? Death, right, right, death or destruction. That same way leads to death or destruction. Over and over again in the Scriptures, it's God making plain to His people and saying, there's a way to life. There's a way to righteousness. There's a way to restoration where, where even though the, the relationship that we had with our Heavenly Father was torn in two by our sin, there's a way that we can be restored to Him. There's a way that we can find life and light. There's a way that we can know what's right. There's a way that we can know and to walk in that way. And he says, here's the crossroads, walk in it. Here is the ancient path, walk in that path in the good way. Um, I just wanted to hit just a couple of things about what the Bible says about itself this morning um, as we talk about this revelation that we have here in the Bible this morning. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture is God-breathed or God-inspired and is used for, for teaching, 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, just like the song that Clay sang to us this morning, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, all Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How is it that you, as a man or a woman of God, can be equipped for every good work, can be equipped for what you need to do and how you need to do it? It is simply by this, is by being and knowing and meditating and studying and being in this Word. Amen? It is all revealed right here. This is how you and I can be equipped to do good works for God, right? You know, I, 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 well, you know what? I'm going to have to go into other things. We're not going to taste that transit this morning. Let's keep going. In Psalm, uh, uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 10, says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Listen to what he says. This is the, the psalmist going on and on about, about, the, uh, about the word of God, about his, about his law, about his statutes, his precepts, his commands, and, um, uh, and he says this about them. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the cone. All right. So what's it say about the word of God or the law of the Lord or the statutes of the Lord? It says they revive the soul. Does anyone need revived? Does anyone need refreshing? The Bible says of itself, you study God's word, you study his law, and your, your soul will be revived. Does anyone need to be made wise? Does anyone need wisdom for living? Uh, I, I know I do. The, the Bible says about it, says the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise Making the wise, the, making wise the simple, not the simple wise or the wise simple. But anyway, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Isn't that something that the Bible says about itself? If you're in here, if you'll read the precepts of the Lord and its teachings about how you should live and how you should walk, there is joy for your life. Isn't that great? Uh, and the last thing here is the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The Bible says about itself and about the commands of God and about the statutes of the law of God over and over again. It says the, the, the scriptures, the Bible, the teachings of God, those precepts, his commands are like light. They will help you find and see your way, right? They will help you know what to do, but not only that, they will help you know what is in you. They'll help you know yourself. They'll help you. They'll illuminate your way. They'll illuminate your path. You'll know where to go. You'll know how to find him. You'll know the way of righteousness and blessing and not the way of destruction. And it's all illuminated for you in the scriptures. It's all given to you by the scriptures. Um, but let me finish reading Jeremiah chapter 6, verses, verse 16. It says this. Let me read you the whole deal now. The whole, whole verse. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. The problem has been since the fall of mankind that even though God has illuminated the path, the right way, that ancient way that we're talking about today, over and over and over again in the history of the Israelites and even in the history of the church since Christ's coming, people have said, I know the way 
and I will not walk in it. God has revealed it to me. I have known what the right way is, but I've chosen to walk in another direction. I've chosen to ignore his teaching and his counsel and his wisdom, right? Um, I want to talk to you just a little bit about this morning. Um, what, what I want to do this morning, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the scriptures with you and I'm going to talk to you about, um, I'm going to go through some, just some, some basic principles of Bible study about reading and studying the Bible. But the thing that you and I have to wrestle with is, is that every one of us has a propensity to not want to be in the Word, right? There's a word that the Scripture has for this. It's the sinful nature, right? You ever notice you can turn on, uh, gentlemen, you can turn on ESPN and you can watch Sports Station and nothing will come to mind. Right? I mean, you could sit there for hours and watch, and you won't be thinking about the lawn and the bills and, and, uh, and balancing the checkbook, or you need to do this for the kids, you need to go buy this, you need to go do this. You can sit and watch that forever, or you can sit and read the paper, or you can sit and watch and read a, a book of fiction and finish the whole thing. Some of you that read you know, like an adult, not like me, but who reads terribly slowly. But anyway, those of you who read like an adult, you could knock out a fic- book of fiction in a, in a day, right? But then you sit down and read the scriptures, and all of a sudden your mind is flooded with all the things that you really ought to be doing, right? You know why that is? I, I think there's two reasons. One is I think we have an enemy who knows that if we abide in the Scriptures that our lives will be changed. But we also have a sinful nature who doesn't want our hearts revealed, who wants to cover over our sin. And listen, um, I hate to hear, uh, and let me, uh, let me be uh, a little more uh, kind, um, <laughs> Uh, if, if you're in a place where you can't be honest and say that the Scriptures, it's difficult for me to be in the Scriptures, it's difficult for me to be committed to reading every single day, then you're putting on a facade. And the people around you are putting on a facade. It is a work of discipline, and that discipline is part of the fruit of the Spirit that only by walking with Him for decades do we begin to overcome. True? It is, this is the part of the scripture that in Galatians chapter 5, he says, this is self-control, and it doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and, and here, let me just, uh, I, I brought a little illustration. The Bible talks over and over and again how about it is, if, when you open up your scriptures, it is like opening up, it is like a light, it is like illumination, um, it is like uh, uh, opening up and being able to see your path in front of you, but it's also your, the ability to be able to see yourself, right? It's, it's the ability to be able to read yourself. It, we'll read that in Hebrews chapter 4 here in just a minute. But here's what I wanted to say. There are a couple of things that keep us from wanting to be in this light, right? The first thing, the first thing is this. The first thing that keeps us... Well, I can't possibly read with that in my eyeballs. Um, the first thing is this, is that whenever we are cherishing sin in our hearts and we're trying to cover and to keep that to ourselves, we don't want any part in this, right? Matter of fact, we want to avoid it because when we're cherishing sin in our hearts, we're not cherishing God's Word and we're not cherishing His Scripture. And so we will avoid stepping into the light of His Scripture. And may I also say, you'll also avoid being in fellowship. And so, you know, when any of you wander away and aren't in the church, we know what's happening in your lives. 
But it's true, isn't it? I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Um, over and over again, we find that it's true. It's proven. Uh, but anyway, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I don't have this up on the screen, but let me just read it to you. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And when you're cherishing your sin, you want nothing to do with that light. You want nothing to do with that sword. True? And so you and I, when we're cherishing sin, we'll avoid the Scriptures uh, like crazy, won't we? The other thing is this. The other thing is, is that not necessarily that maybe we're intentionally avoiding the Scriptures, but the other reason that we avoid the light of the Scriptures is this, is that we don't see our need for it. This is so dangerous. Um, this is so self-deceptive. Uh, let me see, how can I explain this? When you're not walking in the Scriptures and you don't see, well, here, here you go. The, the Bible, Paul talks a lot about the transforming of our minds, right? He talks about it in Romans. He talks about it in other places. He talked about it in Galatians, about how, how God's called us to be holy. And when we're not seeing that we need the Scriptures to transform our hearts and our minds, when you're not seeing that need, when you're not, when you're not compelled to go to the Scriptures to say, Lord, I need your transformation work of your truth in my life, and when you don't see that need, when you can be back here and away from the light, and not miss it, you're deceived. You don't recognize the need that you have. And what is actually the truth is, is that you're, what has been exposed, there's been something in your heart that's been exposed by your lack of a drive to be in the Scriptures. And what it is, it's either pride to say, I don't think I need it. I know other people who need transformation, but I've gotten so much better, I don't need it anymore. Really? Is, is that really what you think? I don't know if none of us would actually say that, but if that's really what you think, it's exposed by your actions or your inactions in being in the Word, right? But the other thing is that we can be so caught up in the world. And tell me this, when you watch TV, when you're reading in the media, when, you, when you're walking about in, in your workplace or whatever, how much truth are you seeing there? there? There's just not much there. And so if you wander away for a little while, it doesn't take long before you're not missing it anymore, Right? That's a Christian who's, been, who's fallen asleep. That's a Christian who's not realized, wait, we're in a war. I walk around in a dark world, in a dark place, and I need the truths of the Scripture to teach me and train me and to change and transform me, and I can't live without it. I can't be aware of God's calling, and I cannot please the Father. If matter of fact, we were just reading in Sunday school this morning that Jamie taught in John chapter 15. He said, if you don't abide in me, you can do what? Nothing. You have to abide in the Father, and part of that is abiding in His Word. All right. All right. You have to abide in the Scripture. And I'm going to give you some very practical teaching this morning that I shamelessly stole from Matt Chandler, one of his Saturday, sermons, Saturday seminars. But I want to tell you this. You and I have to deal with a matter of our hearts. We have to deal with this reason why we don't want to be in the Scriptures. You have to deal with that, or else I'm going to teach you some things that will help you get through it. I'm going to give you some things this morning if you'd like to borrow some stuff from our church library. I'm going to do this, but if you don't deal with a matter of your heart, you will try this and fail. You don't have enough discipline to make it through your sinful nature. I mean, none of us do, right? That's what we'll be reading, or let me think, did we read that already in Colossians? Uh, I can't remember. I think that maybe that's today's. He talks about human regulations, and have, they, they have no desire to restrain our, uh, our sinful nature. Uh, but anyway, uh, you have to deal with the heart issue. 
and you just have to wrestle with God. And listen, this is so good for your spiritual walk. Really, truly, I, I know some of you are walking or feeling con- condemned this morning. I, I hope that's not condemnation. I hope it's conviction. But let me tell you this morning, there will be nothing better for you in your spiritual walk than to go to God and say, there's something broken in me because I don't want to be in here. Would you reveal to me? Would you work in me to bring a greater love for you and for your word because I don't have it? One of the things that Jesse Robinson, he, he likes to send out with his emails, he, he uh, sends out, I'm, 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 sure he didn't, I'm sure he didn't just make this up, probably came from somewhere, but he says one of the things, he signs off in his email, it says, repentance is success. In the Christian walk, repentance is success. Not to say, you know, uh, uh, not to say that, you know, I read the Bible through yesterday, and, you know, in its entirety, and that's success. Eh, and maybe yes, maybe no. But repentance and submission to God in the Christian walk, that is success. That's a goal that's worthy of us, uh, of us striving for. Amen? All right. Well, we need to get into this. So how to study the Bible. Let me say um, what I'm going to give to you and what you have on your sheets there are tools, not rules, right? This is not the way you have to do it. But if you're not doing anything or if you don't have a very good plan for how you're going to be in the Scriptures, this is a great place to start. Um, do this and do it in a way that fits you. Um, and uh, here we go. The very first thing, what to bring, um, is what we're going to go through the, the, this first part, is uh, consistent time and place. You have to solve the problem of time, right? I've noticed this in my life, and I'm sure you're all better than me and you don't have this problem. If I don't document and write down something that I'm going to do on my day planner, and I don't mark a, uh, set aside the time, and I don't intentionally do it, it never happens. I'm sure that's me. You're all much more disciplined and have much more free time or something, right? No. If you don't solve the problem of time, it will never happen. You have to come up with a time and a place, time and a place, say it with me, time and a place. Where are you going to do it? Where, when are you going to do it? Are you going to do it first thing in the morning? First thing in the morning is great, probably preferred. However, if you're not a morning person, don't beat yourself up about your inability to get up. Do it late in the day. Do it over your break. If you're an afternoon person, do it at break at work. Do it at, but do it sometime when you're fresh and you can give good quality time into being in your scriptures, not at some time that you're half asleep, all right? All right, if that's you, if that's you, do it anytime, but you have to resolve the problem of time. You have to do it or it won't happen. The next thing, Bible translations. Find a Bible translation you like to read. In my opinion, the closer that you can get to a word-for-word translation of the Scriptures, the better off you'll be. However, having said that, there are people who have difficulty reading and understanding the more complicated translations of the Scriptures, okay? There is nothing wrong with that. If you have a learning disability, if you just have a difficult time grasping what you're reading, read something that's simpler, more simply written. There is nothing wrong with that. I would hope that all of us could progress towards reading something more like a word-for-word translation. But if you don't, that's fine. No problem. If, you've, if you're dyslexic, if you had a real hard time keeping up with what you're reading, you find something that works for you and get in it. All right? Um, I listed a different kinds of, uh, of Bible translations for you from kind of uh, paraphrases to word for word. The Message, Eugene Peterson's The Message, a great, uh, great uh, paraphrase. The Living Bible, the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Bible, if you've not read it, has a lot of amplification. In other words, has a, a lot more uh, words in it so, so that it tries to get to the root uh, meaning of the words um, in, in Amplified. Amplified is a good one to refer to, but it's a hard one just to read from day to day, right? Because it just goes on and on and on. You know, it'll take a word and, and give you 12 different words uh, to, to try to bring about significance for it. 
The next thing is, is that there are paraphrases, and then there is like the New International Version. The New International Version attempts to be what they call dynamic equivalence. Okay, what this means is that I recognize is that the, 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 the folks who translated, also known as translators, the translators of the New International Version wrote and they decided that, that you cannot make a word-for-word -word translation from Hebrew to English. It can't be done. Are you with me? If, in fact, if you had a raw translation of just word-for-word -word Hebrew to English, you could not read it, right? And even in Greek, even though Greek is much more similar to English than, than Hebrew is, you can't do it. And so what they attempted to do was to take phrases and to try to parse them out and to say, okay, we can't do word for word. Let's try to do dynamic equivalence and let's try to come up with a Bible version that is more understandable than, and more readable, I should say, than King James, New King James, New American Standard Bible. Let me give you a quick example. We were just in Galatians this last week. Turn with me in Galatians. See if I can find this real quick. In Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Okay. Look with me in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. This is one of the great places where you can see some of the differences between the NIV and some of the more word-for-word -word translations. Jamie carries... Jamie, are you carrying the uh, New American Standard? Oh. Jamie used to like to say that Paul himself wrote the, or carried the New American Standard Bible. <laughs> but anyway, Tim, you've got New American Standard Bible. Would you read, Tim, would you read uh, 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 Galatians chapter 3, verse 24? Listen to what, what, what Tim says. You're probably not carrying an ASB, but listen to what this says. All right, very interesting. The law has become our what? Tutor. Okay, the word here, we don't really have its equivalent in English. It's not really a tutor as in a teacher. What it is is what they're referring to is that in, in some homes back in the day, back in Jesus' time, there were, there were slaves, there were servants who were put in charge to help guide children. They had the ability to discipline children and watch over children, um, and especially in regards to education, right, to help the kids get educated and make sure they studied. I know none of you have ever had any problem getting your children to study, but back in those days they did. Children were much different back then. Uh, but anyway, the word in, in, uh, in, in Greek is pedagogos, which I'll, let's just say pedagogue. Um, yeah, pedagogy. Um, but uh, the, the word there, we don't really have it. But in an attempt to make a word-for-word -word translation, the New American Standard Bible says the law is a tutor. Okay? Someone read New International Version for me there. Okay, so NIV says there is no perfect word-for-word -word translation, so to try to convey the idea, we're going to say the law was put in charge uh, to lead us to Christ, right? So the NIV says we're going to try to go with put in charge so that people get the idea conveyed that, we, that the law has been put in charge to lead us to Christ, just like that uh, pedagogy, pedagogy. Uh, was put in charge to transfer, or train, or lead a ch ch children. That's what the law has become for us. The New American Standard Bible tries to do word for word and say a tutor. The, word is the, the, uh, the law is like a tutor for us. All right, that's a really good example of dynamic equivalence and uh, word for word translation. Okay. Um, the other Bibles that are um, attempt to be more word for word, King James Version, New King James Version, New American Standard Bible. Th there's a newer one, English Standard Version. Uh, it's kind of all the rage these days. I've not, I, I own one and I'm in it some, but it's a very interesting book. Um, but, it, but very interesting tra translation, really good. And let me say, 
the higher you go up on that list, the easier it is to read. The lower you go on the list, the more difficult it is to read. If you don't have any problem reading, go for a word for word. If you have a little bit of a problem reading or you just like a little easier comprehensive, read NIV. Let me tell you, if you have a great deal of trouble reading the Bible, if you have a great deal of trouble comprehending what you're reading, the Newer International Reader's Version, NIRV, nerve, yeah, the NIRV is a great translation. They use it in children's Bibles, and it is a great translation. If you have trouble reading or comprehending what you're reading, the NIRV is a really great translation as well. Okay, moving on. Uh, let me say this before I go on, and I wrote it on your sheet. There is no excuse for not reading the Scriptures. There are so many translations, and they have made it so easy. There's not a good excuse for not being in the Scriptures, right? I don't care what you brought. I don't care what you think. I don't care what reading disabilities you have. If you have any ability to read whatsoever, even if you're reading two to three verses a day, you can be in the Scriptures. Amen? All right. Okay. Moving on. Reading plan. A reading plan is a good idea. It it will give you some direction to gain understanding of the whole revelation of God. It's really good. It's really important. Who has favorite verses of the Bible, favorite books of the Bible? Yeah, me too. Um, And I'm preaching to you. Scary, huh? The whole revelation of God, though, is really what we're after. Not just selected parts and pieces that I like. A reading plan will force you to read over places that you wouldn't ordinarily read. It's a good idea. One of the ones, let me just say personally, I hate the one that's a New Testament reading, an Old Testament reading, a proverb, and a psalm a day. I I can't keep up with it all. I I can't keep up with four streams all in one day. I don't know about you. I, I just don't have, maybe you ladies can multitask a little bit better than I. I can't keep up with four at a time. However, um, there are some that will help you read through the scriptures in a year. That's great. Um, if you just want to take a part and just say, I'm going to read through the book of John. I'm going to read through an Old Testament book, whatever you do. But there are all kinds of really great reading plans out there. Google it. You'll find all kinds of great stuff uh, out there. And it will force you to read what you ordinarily wouldn't. Bring a pen and a highlighter. You're going to want, as you read, you've, you've been through this. You've read a scripture. You've read 100,000 times. And you'll read it one morning, and it will jump off the page to you, right? Highlight it. Mark it, you know, underline it, whatever. Put a note beside it in your Bible, whatever. But uh, you're going to need that. Journal. Journal is a great place to put in your thoughts, prayers, confusion, revelation. Journaling will help you meditate and remember what you read. Um, I journal because Clay taught me. Yeah, I'm serious. Clay taught me to journal. I didn't used to journal, but it is so important. And, and um, let me tell you, it, it will bring to you a depth and a dimension to Bible study that you have not had before, okay? So l- let me encourage you. If you've not been reading your Bible, read a little bit every day. If you've been reading your Bible a little bit every day, add journaling, right? Okay, but grow little by little, okay? Um, we, we talked about this last week, I guess, or maybe a couple of weeks ago. You're not going to turn into a Clay Robinson tomorrow. Clay, how long have you been journaling in, in, in your Bible? All right, so if you're like me, I mean, you haven't even been alive that long, but <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, Clay's been doing this journaling. He's been journaling, what is that, 12 years? Did I count right? No, uh, 22 years. Okay, you're not going to be a 22-year-old veteran, 22-year veteran uh, tomorrow. But whatever you do, start small and let it grow, all right? Wherever you are, there's opportunity for you to grow, amen? All right. 
Don't be discouraged. You're not going to start like a pro. It's all right. None of us did. And Clay didn't start like a pro, right? Was it easy for you in 1989? No, I actually tried to start in 87, and it kind of sputtered off and on. Did you hear that? He failed for two years. You will fail for years at this. Amen? It, uh, me too. We all will fail, and we all will never come with enough self, self-control to be able to do this. It is a work of, of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, the next thing. This is not a spiritual thing. This is just pragmatic. Your day planner, and I know we don't usually think of these terms, but this is a really great idea from, from Matt Chandler. Bring your day planner. You know why? Because you're going to be sitting there reading, and you'll be thinking about, oh, I need to feed the dog. Oh, I forgot, you know, we're out of milk. Oh, at work, I've got to go get this task done. I've got this report. To take those things out of your mind, bring a day planner with you, jot it down so that you can remember to pick that up later so you don't obsess about it and lose focus on what you're doing. Because really, what are you doing here? You're attempting to abide with your Father, your Creator, and your Savior. Amen? That is what our attempt is. And the more you can do to put those things off and, you, and teach your mind, no, I'm focusing today. I'm focusing on the, what God has to say to me, and I'm putting those things that it should be second, I'm making them second, right? That's training, that's self-training, that's self-control, uh, and it takes time to do. But take your day planner with you. It'll help, re, uh, help in your resistance to it. Uh, next thing, what to do. So what do you do? You got all your stuff gathered up there. You got all your, all your junk. You got all your stuff there. Uh, what do you do? The first thing is, is of course, this is just a great idea always, is start with prayer. Listen, you are not there to just gain knowledge, right? The Pharisees, more knowledgeable than any of us in the Scriptures, right? And uh, not a lot of them are going to be in heaven with us. Because they had knowledge, but they didn't have love. They missed the entire point of God's law and and the Old Testament and the prophets. They missed it all. Knowledge is not um, what we're doing. What we really want at that time, listen to me, what you want in your time in the scriptures and your time in prayer is to be transformed, okay? All right. It's like if you're going camping or it's like if you're trying to build a fire. You're going to go around and you're going to, big up, you're going to find small twigs and leaves and pine needles and that kind of stuff, and then you're going to bring larger logs. That's what Bible study and reading is. You don't get all excited because you gathered kindling when you're freezing to death in the dead of winter in the wilderness. You get excited when you've done all the work and then there's a fire, right? You're hoping for, praying for, wanting, desiring the fire, but you've got to bring the kindling first. This is just bringing the kindling. It is not the goal, but it's the means. It's the way that we get there. Amen? Okay. What we hope is to have that ignition of, our, of, of uh, relationship with our Heavenly Father. Next thing, of course, read the Bible. Start small. If you have a reading disability, maybe two or three verses. You don't have to read very much if you, if you really struggle with that. But read just enough that you can really comprehend. Did you hear me? Read what you can comprehend, all right? And stop there. It's okay. It's not a race. You don't have to race through, man, I've got to read the entire book of, of Psalms today. No, it, it, what benefit is that? You can't comprehend it all. It's too large. The, the thoughts in the Scriptures are too marvelous, too big for you to be able to take it all in. So take what you can comprehend at a time, all right, uh, and, and, and read. So maybe that's five minutes of reading. Maybe it's a couple of minutes of reading. Maybe it's 20 or 30 minutes or an hour if you've been at it for a long time. Um, But don't read to check the box. Don't read like it's a race. It's an opportunity to hear from your creator. Um, And let me say this before we go on. I've proven this. It is entirely possible to read the Bible and never connect with my father. Have you done this? 
I'll find myself sometimes, I'll read through the Scriptures, and because I have other things in my mind, because my sinful nature honestly is rebelling against the Scriptures, right? I'll get through the Scripture, and I'll think back, and I'll think, now what did I read? No idea. Why? Because my mind was focused on everything but what I was attempting to do, all right? So don't let yourself do it. This is an opportunity for you to, re, to, to uh, engage with and have God teach you through his scripture. Okay, the next thing is, uh, like what we were talking about a while ago, underline or highlight the verses that jump out at you. And then the fourth thing is journal. Write those verses out. Write out the, what, what you read. Write out why it jumped out to you and, and observations. A lot of times I'll write down prayers. You know, I'll read something and I, like I, you know, what I shared with you this morning about live a life worthy of God. And I, you know, one of the prayer after I wrote that verse, I was like, Lord, help me to live a life worthy of you. I, I'm not able. I'm not capable. I need the power of your Holy Spirit. I need the endurance of you holding on to me. And I need you to help keep me from falling and I need your help, and I'll journal, I'll write that, Lord, that prayer in my journal because it, what I'm doing here really is I want to deal with my heart. I want God to come and deal with my heart as I read through the Scripture. I'm not trying to just get smarter. I'm not trying to get wiser. I'm trying to engage with my Heavenly Father, with my Savior, and allow Him and sit under His, in submission to Him, under His authority, and say, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, help me to come to repentance when I need to repent. Help me to take courage and stand firm in what I'm supposed to be standing firm in. Help me to take action when I'm supposed to take action. But you teach me and you tell me because I need my mind and my heart transformed by your truth. Amen? Okay. Last thing is this. Uh, application. How does it apply to you? How do you do with this? Deal with your heart. I kind of went into that. I kind of cheated a little bit. But uh, apply it. How does this verse relate to you? Let me, uh, I'm going to close with this. I have several books up here that are available from our church library for you. Let me go through a few of them with you. Living by the Book, this is by um, uh, Howard Hendricks. Howard Hendricks is a professor at seminary for like 57 years or something. This is actually his textbook. Um, basically, very simple book, but it teaches you. I've just been teaching you really how to, how to read the Bible. He will teach you how to study the Bible. Excellent book. Helped, basically, three premises, very simple. Observe, what does the Bible say? Interpret, how, what does it mean? And third, apply, how do you apply that to your life? Very simple, very straightforward book for you to read. Uh, Howard Hendricks. Come get this after if you'd like. There's another one called Grasping God's Word by uh, J. Scott Duvall and J. Daniel Hayes. Uh, these guys teach at Wachita Baptist Church, uh, uh, Seminary. Seminary? That doesn't sound right to me now. But anyway, both of them trained at Southwestern Seminary. Really very good book. Very similar to this one. If this one's gone, come get this one. The other thing is concordance. Does anyone know what a concordance does? This one's exhaustive because it's really heavy. Right? It'll wear you out. That's right, and you've got to be strong to carry it. That's right. A, and a concordance will help you, if you know the word that you're looking for, it will help you find the word and what verse it goes to. So let's say, I'm trying to think of something. I was trying to think of the, that uh, scripture in Hebrews that says something about the word of God is like a sword. So you can look up the word sword, and you can find every occurrence of the word sword in an exhaustive concordance and go find it. The other thing it lets you do is it helps you to trace those words throughout the scriptures and to know in the original language in the Greek or Hebrew where all it was found, and you can find how it was interpreted in different ways. Very interesting to be able to study that way. Uh, Walvert and Zuck, this is really great. These are a couple of guys from uh, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, there's uh, basically the Old Testament, New Testament in one volume each. These are commentaries. This is what people read and what is thought of about what is the interpretation is of whatever, that, uh, whatever the, it is that you're reading. These come in multi-volumes, one volume. The, these are, of course, very short. There are some, you know, that will take up this much shelf space over the whole of your scriptures, but uh, of the whole of the scripture, but also very good. 
Harper's Bible Dictionary. Does anybody read a Bible Dictionary ever? Know what that is? A Bible Dictionary will take a word that is in the Bible or a location or a name or a theme that's in the Bible and it will help define for you what, it, what, is, what, what it's about. So you can go look up words that are in the Bible or people in the Bible and in one place you can go and read all about them in one place. Very handy. The last thing, um, this is Wayne Gruden. Uh, Wayne Gruden wrote probably the most easy to understand uh, systematic theology book. It's about, well, it's about as big as Strong's Concordance, uh, but it really just excellent study, um, excellent stuff. Um, this is a very uh, abbreviated part of his systematic theology. And let me tell you, a systematic theology will go through and tell you basically topics of the scripture and define them for you about what's been, what, what the teacher scriptures, and really also go into what the early Christian fathers and about how it's been interpreted uh, by, uh, by, um, by the church. Um, anyway, says things like, what is sin? Who is Christ? What is the atonement? What does it mean to become a Christian? What is death? What is the church? What is heaven? What is the final judgment? What will happen when Christ returns? Those kinds of things that are doctrinal uh, about teachings of the church, just really good basic stuff. This will help you in, in, in understanding those really major topics of the scripture. But anyway, these are all out of our church library. And let me ask, if you would like to t- check one of these out today, I would encourage you to. It is good to study the scriptures. It is light for your eyes. It's joy for your hearts. Amen? Uh, it is the ability for us to know and to, to, to know God and even know ourselves. Let's pray. We got to go. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your patience with us, Lord God. Lord, you know the struggle you ha- we have. You know, Lord God, that we uh, struggle with this... Um, uh, struggle with this idea, Lord God, that we're to be in your scripture because, Lord, it is so bright sometimes and it is so uncomfortable to us sometimes. But, Father, I pray... Help us to find that place of submission where you can say, Lord God, no matter what my excuses have been, I want to be in your word. No matter what, um, uh, no matter how many times I've failed before and feel like a failure from it, I want to be in your word. So Lord, help us to be in your word. Help us, Lord, as we finish out Colossians this week and start in the book of John. Lord God, I pray that we'd be a people who are committed to your teaching, to your revelation that you bring to, to us through your scripture. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Sorry I kept you so long, but do come and get one of these if you'd like to check one out.